Welcome to Movie Geeks United. Tonight is Blu-ray night. We're talking September 2019, right? Is that the year? Yes, indeed. You got it right. If I asked you to talk about September 2015, would you be able to pull up those <laughs> titles as well? I probably could find them with a little research. I probably could do it. Yep. We'll start with September 3rd, going all the way back to the beginning of the month. For some strange reason, they released the first three Rambo films on 4K last fall, but did not release the fourth Rambo film on 4K, which really made no sense to me uh, why they would put three out and, and not the fourth one. But they finally rectified that uh, with the release of a 4K release of the 2008 Rambo, which also includes the extended, longer, and supposedly more vi- uh, violent cut, which I didn't get a chance to see. Yeah, because uh, that's the one thing I was thinking when I watched Rambo 4. This, this, this could use more violence. <laughs> exactly. Live for nothing or die for something. So for those who, and I know some of our listeners have give, given me some feedback that they picked up those 4K releases of the earlier ones. So uh, if you're looking to complete your collection, there you go. And Warner Archive has released, or maybe it's Warner Brothers proper, I'm not sure. I think it's Warner Archive. It's Warner Brothers proper, actually, has released Scooby-Doo, Where Are You?, the complete series, television series. I know we normally don't cover television, but um, since this is so steeped in popular culture, I thought I would mention it. Uh, It's a limited edition, and it contains... uh, all three seasons, all 908 minutes of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? 1969 to 1978. So, uh, and did, did Casey Kasem do the voice of Scooby-Doo? Uh, that was Don Messick, I think. As, as Casey did the Shaggy voice. Shaggy, that's yeah. right. I really like the episode where they drag Shaggy's dead body back and forth to different locations over the course of a year or so. I thought that was great. <laughs> Yeah, that that was a memorable one for sure. Uh, yeah, there's always been that theory floating about that um, that Scooby Doo never really existed. He was just a figment of Shaggy's drug-induced imagination. So yeah, I like be. I like that theory. But nevertheless, anybody who's a fan of Scooby Doo, where are you? Well, there you go. You can get them all in one place, one-stop shopping. Uh, the two, the 1988 film Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. How about mm. that? <laughs> when uh, everybody they were trying to capitalize on the popularity of Elvira, obviously he was a hot commodity back then. Yeah, it's so, such well. She's still around. She, she sure she, is. She, sure, yeah. she does a lot of conventions and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. That's kind of a thing of the past because uh, there used to be a lot of horror hosts and hostesses, mm-hmm. uh, even in our neck of the woods here in Florida, we used to have a guy named Dr. Paul Bearer, and he used to host Creature Feature every Saturday or Sunday afternoon in this old, like, corpse makeup, and he would he would actually drive around town in a hearse. That was his car. <laughs> uh, and then I was watching Jack the Bear uh, last week. It was on TV, and mm-hmm. DeVito plays a horror movie host. Uh you know, on the other TV channel. That's correct. Uh, it used to be the th- used to be a thing. It's not so much anymore. 
No, it's not. And I guess that, I guess that probably goes along with the proliferation of so many different streaming services and the fact that people just don't watch local television like they used to when we were kids because we didn't have a choice. Yeah. Not like we had any options. So that was big entertainment for us, and uh, it gave me a lot of fond memories. We had them in our neck of the woods as well. There's a guy named Fred Kirby who did uh, he did a lot of local hosting of television programs. He was pretty big around these parts, as they say, in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. So the 2009 film, Dogtooth, which introduced the world to uh, Yorgos Lentimos, the filmmaker, uh, I think this is his debut feature, I believe. Uh, and actually, I have never seen Dogtooth. I missed it when it came out and never got around to it, although I, I I have heard many things about it. So that's that's something I hope to rectify really, really soon with the release of this, uh, this release. It's a Kino Lorber release. And Kino Lorber, speaking of them, they've, as usual, they're always just popping out those titles, just pumping them out left and right. And they've done that with Kind Hearts and Coronets from 1949 is another one of their September releases. This one has uh, Alec Guinness in it and Hugh Griffith. You know, it's a dark comedy. I've seen it. It's pretty pretty good of its type, 1949. And The Lavender Hill Mob is another Tina Lorber release. And this one has also Alec Guinness and Stanley Holloway, so I guess they some kind of Alec Guinness theme going on there, uh, along with The Man in the White Suit from 1951, which is another Alec Guinness title that Kino has opted to release. So, there you go. Uh, Criterion has issued Fists in the Pocket from 1965, directed by Marco Bellocchio. Um uh, Tormented by twisted desires, a young man takes drastic measures to rid his grotesquely dysfunctional family of its various afflictions. Can't say I've ever seen this one, but uh, with that plot line, I, I must say that I am a little bit tantalized. So we're always talking about these Kino releases of Touchstone films from the 1980s. How about The Good Mother from 1988, which was... Uh, Oh, that one was uh, turned up on cable quite a bit back in the day. Is that Reckon Diane me. Keaton? That's the one. Liam Neeson before his breakthrough with Schindler's List. and uh, Jason Roberts and Ralph Bellamy. Didn't they make a movie called The Good Father with Anthony Hopkins? I think they did, yes. And then uh, they made The Good Son with Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> <laughs> what a good family. God, what a franchise. Yeah. Yeah, that's an, that would be an interesting triple feature if nothing else. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they keep pumping out these, uh, these, these Kino keeps pumping out these Touchstone films, and that's another one uh, that they put out, opted to put out, and we move along to September 10th. And I was just saying that uh, the 4K release of Casino has finally happened. Mm. Uh, it looks great, I must say. They've done a terrific job. There's, uh, sadly, there's no real new extras to be found on this release. But the upgrade in picture is pretty substantial, I have to admit. And if you have 4K capability and you are a fan of Casino as I am, uh, this is something that must be added to the 
collection, I must say. So Casino, it's a good, very good remastering. That's a great-looking, pristine, sharp-looking movie anyway. Oh, yeah. Uh, I still say that Casino and Taxi Driver are my two favorite Scorsese's. I, yeah, I would go along with that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard to it's hard to, to single out just one, just one or two. But uh, if you, you had you, to, would, you would go along with those two being my favorite movies. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure, absolutely. <laughs> I disagree, Jamie. I do not think they're your two favorites. <laughs> I don't believe you. Um, now, I recently, I I had not seen Wolf of Wall Street since it came out in theaters, and I just recently. Uh, Pull that out and rewatch that, and boy, that that holds up. I must admit, I I uh, quite enjoyed seeing it again for the first time yeah. in six years. The 1992 Aladdin, the original version of Aladdin, uh, has been issued by Disney, uh, both in 4K and standard Blu-ray. Well, what's the selling point of this new edition? Why should I spend my money? You ask me. Well, I'll tell you that there are some. Never before seen bonus features, including alternate ending and cast recording sessions, which I'm told the cast recording sessions are quite moving uh, in lieu of the fact of what uh, ultimately happened to Robin Williams. There's some really good stuff of uh, some really good footage of of him uh, recording his parts for this movie that that are pretty moving in their own way. So uh, the rest of the stuff has been carried over. And, you know, if, if you're a fan of Aladdin, the original... Uh, you know, this is probably it may be worth the upgrade. The picture does look pretty spectacular, I must admit. And Ratatouille is another uh, title that they've opted to release in 4K, along with Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. Mm. So Disney has pumped out several of their animated. Oh, there's more. I I missed a couple here. There's also the original Cars, Inside Out, Cars 2, Brave, and The Good Dinosaur. Good lord. So they've really pumped out a lot of their animated product and put it out in 4K. We're speaking of the complete Scooby-Doo a while ago. Well, the complete Jetson has also been issued by Warner Brothers. So um, if you're into Hanna-Barbera, there you go again. And also... Yeah. I really like the episode where they take George Jetson's dead body. And, they... <laughs> <laughs> and fly it through space. <laughs> yeah, to all these different planets over the course of a year because, you know, the wife is wacky. And the kids, <laughs> kids never got to see him when he was deteriorating. The whole saga. <laughs> yeah, I remember that episode where they tested the effects of weightlessness on a dead body. That yeah. was interesting, too. So that was another. That was I tied right into it. So, yeah, can't miss that. Um, well, I, speaking of 4K, though, there, the, um, uh, the the trilogy of films starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, the what is it, the Corona trilogy or whatever, the Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End, they've all been issued in a triple feature blue uh, 4K. You get all three of those for the price of one, and also have um, one of the Scream Factory releases. They they keep on putting out these. Dracula, they're trying to get all the Dracula films that were made by Hammer eventually put Ooh. out, and they they did Scars of Dracula this time around. 1970. Yes, yes it is. It's uh, a film that we've discussed <laughs> amongst ourselves for various reasons that will be revealed at some point. Uh, yeah, it's, 
it's kind of formulaic. I don't know if if you're a fan of the Christopher Lee Dracula films. Yeah, I mean it, it is a must-have. But if you're like me and you're just kind of a passing fan, it it does seem a little formula. I have to admit, you know, there's the, there's the castle and then the the villagers get involved and Dracula starts taking out the villagers one by one and they have to defeat you know Dracula. It's uh, you know, but there's some nice extras on here and. Um, it's presented in two aspect ratios, 1.66 and 1.85. Who does who, who does commentaries on it? Uh, the commentaries on this one, Ted Newsom and Constantine Nasser. Oh, wow. And there's actually one with Christopher Lee and Roy Ward Baker, the director of the film. So I guess that one was recorded a while back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would assume. Uh, I don't think they brought him back via some magic spell. But... <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah. so the 1989 film... <laughs> they, took, they took his dead body, and they transported it from recording booth to recording booth. This is going to be a running theme in this show. Yeah. That reminds me of something years ago when when they did the Old God uh, uh, DVD. I was joking about it, and uh, I, I picked it up the day it came out, and a friend of mine was with me, and I said... Look, I said, they've got an audio commentary here by, uh, I, th- I think I actually put it in the player, and I said, look, there's an audio commentary with John Denver and George Burns. I said, I'm going to put it on, and, and we'll listen to it. And I put it on, and there's dead silence. <laughs> so, <yeah>. There it is. <laughs> you know, that's interesting. That they, first of all, what an unlikely movie, and it was mm-hmm. a hit, you know, John Denver and George Burns. Yeah, but you know they have the subsect of uh, religious films now that I guess do fairly well mm-hmm. compared to cost. But there's nothing like, uh, oh God, you know. That's true. That's a great movie. I have to admit, it, it, that is a great movie. That you know, it's not preachy. It it has a message, but uh, you know, but it has this subtle humor. And of course, that's courtesy of Larry Gelbart, the screenwriter. Yeah, I mean it's concerned with it's concerned with entertaining before it's concerned with moralizing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But there is a good message at, at its core, also without being preachy or anything. And it's just that's a really really good movie. Uh, I, I'm I'm a big fan of it. Unfortunately, not available on Blu-ray. Hopefully, that will be rectified at some point by Warner Brothers or Warner Archive. So the 1989 Stallone film, where they're Pumping out these Stallone films on 4K, Lock Up. Huge. Right. Yeah, so we have that. We also have the 2009 film. Both of these are Lionsgate issues, by the way. Uh, Daybreakers, starring Ethan Hawke, Willem Dafoe, and, uh, you know, Sam Neill. But it doesn't have that Barry song, Daybreak, in it. No, what a shame. That's, uh, what does that turn? That turns up in that John Waters movie, doesn't it? Serial Mom. Yeah. 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 yeah right. Because, as we all know, John Waters has good taste. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. So, Blood from the Mummy's Tomb is a Shout Factory release, another one of those Hammer films that stars. Oh, this one has Andrew Keir and Hugh Burden. These were, uh, not actors that we're really familiar with, but um, anyway, I do know that uh, the big story about Blood from the Mummy's Tomb was that it was plagued by the sudden deaths of its director, 
and the wife of its original star, Peter Cushing, leading to rumors of a real-life curse. So I don't know mm. if there's any truth to that or not, but Blood from the Mummy's Tomb, 1971, uh, uh, Screen Factory release. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was to just to tease this a little bit. Yeah. I, was talking to, I was talking to a cinematographer in Australia late last night. Wow. And uh, he worked on a horror film. And we were talking about it, and, you know, we talked about it for a half hour, and then the, the conversation closes. And I said, well, what's the most vivid memory that sticks in your mind about this particular film? And then he reveals that the house they shot in was haunted. And I was like, you should have led with that, man. <laughs> you say, you yeah. say, say that's for the end, but it was really a, a certain staircase. He, he didn't believe in that stuff at all. And nobody would climb up that staircase because all of a sudden it would get very, very cold and ominous and you know, creep people out. So they'd actually walk like five minutes uh, around the far side of the mansion to get to where they were going uh, instead of saving time by climbing those stairs because they were all freaked out by it. Wow. That yeah. is a good story. Yeah. Yeah, that's the stuff I love, man. That's great. Wow. I had my curiosity peak. And a very sure. incesty movie. Gosh, the incest uh, in 70s movies is just, uh, man, it was flowing. I don't know what was going on, but uh, there, there were at least three incest movies in one year in the 70s. <laughs> it was a recurring theme, huh? Yeah. Well, it uh, makes you wonder. They couldn't get away with that now, of course. Not that, not that we'd want to. Anyway. So the another one of these hammer horror films, Circus of Horrors, from 1960. And this one... Um, you know, it had um, Donald Pleasance in this one, so it does have that distinction. And it has also the distinction of spawning a top 40 single called Look for a Star, which I think was a top 20, actually, huh. uh, in America. So, anyway, I'm sure it's forgotten these days, but growing up the son of a record collector, it was one that I was familiar with as a kid, so... Mindless trivia I thought I'd throw out there for whatever it's worth. So there's a five-movie collection of all the Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic Park, I'm sorry, the Jurassic, it's called the Jurassic World five-movie collection, but it's really all the uh, Jurassic Park films. In 4K, so you can get them all in one place. There you go again. And the Cloud Cap Star is a Criterion release from 1960 that I'm not really familiar with. Didn't get a review copy of this one the selfless young woman sacrificing her own happiness for her underappreciated or her unappreciative family. Can't say I'm familiar with it, but just want to throw it out there. Mirage, 1965, is a Kino Lorber release. It stars Gregory Peck and Diane Baker and directed by Edwin Edward Dimitri and written by Peter Stone, who also penned the film Charade. What is mm. worth? Reap the Wild Wind from 1942 is another Kino release. This one stars Ray Milland and John Wayne and Paulette Goddard. And Robert Preston. Wow, 1942. Boy, he had a career that lasted a long time. He was still doing stuff in the mid-'80s, so that's a, that's, that's a lot of change there. But Cecil B. DeMille directed this one, Reap the Wild Wind. Yeah. So, and like I said a few months ago about Robert Preston, 
he smelled great. <laughs> I do remember that. I do remember that. In the history of our show, that's the one anecdote we've received about Robert Preston. He smelled <laughs> great. I mean, not so much when they were transporting his body from state to state, but... <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Well, Howard the, Bu- the Duck has been issued as a limited edition steel book mm. uh, from Universal. So it's a Blu-ray, not a 4K. But, for what, uh, you know, it has its fans. What can you say? And uh, the 1965 film Blindfold, and Kino Lorber is a Rock Hudson, Claudia Cardinale, starring that, directed by Philip Dunn. And uh, like I said, uh, they were really pumping them out. Uh, Kino Lorber this month, they, the spoilers from 1942, starring Marlena Dietrich and Randolph Scott and John Wayne. That's another one of their releases, as as is Pittsburgh from 1942. Oh, oh 42, I just okay. That one. Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just mentioned that. I'm sorry, I double clicked that. No, Pittsburgh, uh, the spoilers and Pittsburgh. I'm sorry, I'll get that together. Uh, those are both, uh, and they have. Uh, some of the same stars carrying over. Stella from 1990. Another one of those touchstone films that we're always talking about. And this one, I I don't know. It kind of, I found it to be quite, uh, quite, um, well, you know, it's not a masterpiece, but it was, it was good enough. I thought. Is that a remake of like a Joan Crawford or Barbara Stanwyck or something? Barbara Stanwyck. Yes. Stella Dallas. I think the original, yeah, um, if you're a little sentimental, have a little sen- uh, sentimental streak running up your back, as I do, you may uh, appreciate Stella. I'm I'm sentimental. I just don't know if I'm a masochist. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I you know what? I much prefer this to the one that everybody talks about, Beaches. I think yeah, it's a beaches, much yeah. superior uh, movie to Beaches. In my what about what about for the boys? It's much superior too for the boys. <laughs> Man, she was she was making some jewels back then, wasn't she? Yeah, boy, that old age makeup and for the boys is for uh, the birds. That's for the birds. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, for the birds. <laughs> yeah, wow. Anyway, so Warner Archive has released uh, Touch of Class from nineteen seventy-three. Oh, Seventy-three. Okay. Yeah, George Siegel and Glenda Jackson. And uh, I have I have come to a conclusion. Yep. In in the nineteen seventies, every single movie starred Elliot Gould and Donald Sutherland, and a close third is George Siegel. <laughs> they're in, they're in everything ever made during that decade. It does seem like that, doesn't it? Sometimes they had five movies in a single year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's incredible. People talk about Nick Cage. I mean, he, you know, Nick Cage is you know, Elliot Gould light. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, that's what you call striking while the iron is hot, I guess. That's what yeah. doing. It's called yeah. a lot of cocaine. Uh, yeah, that too. That too. Yeah, so Warner Archive has reissued a pair of their 3D films from 1950, from the early 50s. One is Dial In for Murder and Kiss Me Kate. Both of these have been issued in 3D. So I know 3D TVs have almost ceased production. So it's kind of hard to find the equipment. Oh, that's to, interesting. 
yeah, to find the equipment to watch this stuff. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I'm glad they're out there. And there's a triple feature of the Santa Claus movies on Blu-ray. This is uh, the Tim Allen franchise, of course. Triple feature. Get all those in one place. Just wanted to mention those. Um, and uh, reissues of A Charlie Brown Thanksgiving and A Charlie Brown Christmas. I don't know how many times they've reissued those. But uh, nevertheless, they've been issued one more time, I guess, in time for the holidays. And so then we move up to September 17th, and there's the Batman 4 film collection in 4K, and we're talking about the uh, the franchise that uh, from the late 80s up through the 90s, uh, the two Joel Schumacher films and the two Tim Burton films. Mm. Um, supposedly they they really look good. Supposedly, uh, I'm hearing really good things about the, the first the Batman from 89, that it's really, they've done a bang-up job on the remastering of that, especially. Uh, anyway, those are those are out in the box set. And Criterion has released what I consider, we were talking about John Waters earlier, I think his crowning achievement is polyester. I still think it's the funniest movie he ever made. Uh, I think it just hits that sweet spot of, it falls right in line between the early grungy-looking films that he made and the ones that were a little bit too polished and too mainstream for my taste. This one just falls right in between those, and it just has a enough of a satirical edge and subversive edge that it just, it just really cracks me up. And it has a theme song that's sung by Bill Murray. Most people don't realize that. Star Wars? Being, uh, polyester. No, I was joking about Bill Murray singing Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars, gotcha, gotcha, yeah, from the Saturday Night Live, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, Polyester has a, he sings a theme, and uh, the songs are all written by Blondie, which is interesting, too. People don't realize that. But, well. Yeah, it's a lot of nice extras here, um, about 20-plus minutes of uh, outtakes and a lot of archived interviews, some new interviews. <laughs> Um, and that's, a good, the, that's a good trivia question. What do Bill Murray, Blondie, and John Waters have in common? That's true. That is true. That is a good trivia question. That would that would elicit some interesting answers. Yeah. For people that don't know. <clears throat> I, know. I wish I'd thought about that a couple of weeks ago when uh, when when Gilbert had their uh, call-in show, wanting people to ask trivia questions, and I couldn't come up with one. And that that would have been a great one for sure. Yeah, I think the person that won the prize was the the question was who was in the hospital having a heart procedure in the uh opposite room on the room across the hall or beside Frank Sinatra? I think that's what it was. Oh, and I knew this at one point. Oh, I'm I mean I can't I, I can't remember, but I, I I have been told this before. Yeah, because Frank had the fatal heart attack and there was Somebody else a lot younger. It was Dana Carvey. Yeah, okay. it was. Yeah, and you know they put when they when they did the operation. To, they didn't do an operation. I think they put in stent. I think mm-hmm. they put it in the wrong valve. That's right. Yeah, and so he had to go back. Just goes to show you how things like that can happen. Mm-hmm. But I do want to mention the polyester Blu-ray has the original odorama card in it, the scratch and sniff card. You know, because there's a lot of uh scenes in the movie where he they have a number that pops up on screen and you're supposed to scratch your card at the corresponding number and 
of course, all the smells are stinky smells. Like there's a scene where somebody farts in bed and you scratch number two and uh, somebody's smoking pot in another scene and you scratch the one that you smell pot or whatever. So it's it's that kind of thing. But, and another Criterion release is Local Hero from 1983, which has never been issued on Blu-ray before. This is the, the film with Peter Riegert as a uh, Texas oil executive who's dispatched by his crackpot boss, played by Burt Lancaster, to a remote village in Scotland with orders to buy out the town. And it's a, one of these gentle comedies, I guess you would call it. It's kind of leisurely paced, but it kind of it does work, indeed. And new audio commentary with Bill Forsyth, the director, and some vintage features. It was filmed around the time that it was, and they were producing the film. Well, anyway, uh, Who Saw Her Die is a 1972 release from Arrow, and it's uh, one of these giallo horror films. And this one stars George Lazen, who, of course, had just several years before portrayed James Bond and on Her Majesty's Secret Service. And it's about a, a guy who goes after the killer of his daughter, this grieving father. And uh, they say that Don't Look Now holds... Uh, owes a lot to this film. It was made the year before Don't Look Now. I don't know. I haven't gotten around to looking at it yet. But anyway, nice batches uh, of extras on this to accompany the film. And for the 1972 film, Who Saw Her Die?, has been issued by Arrow, and the uh, Warner Archive has also issued the another collection of cartoons, the Popeye the Sailor cartoons they've been putting out from the 1940s, and they've uh, they're up to the third volume now. And these wow. are 17 uncut cartoons. They look gorgeous. I've watched a couple of them, and there's the, the disclaimer at the beginning, you know, warning people that these are not for children; they're for the adult collector, and that they. Uh, they were made at a time when racial prejudices were different. <laughs> so, Biloxi Blues, Matthew Broderick, that's a Shout Factory release mm. 1988. Written by, directed by Mike Nichols and written by Neil Simon, of course. And um, co-starring Casey DeMosco. What happened to him? Oh. Uh, kind of fell off the map there, but also starring Christopher Walken, of course. Yeah, and, and Matthew Broderick. Yeah, right. and of course Matthew Broderick. I thought that, but I <laughs> the, did not. The star of the I didn't. <laughs> so 19, the nineteen ninety one film uh, Do or Die has been issued by Mill Creek Entertainment. This is one of those we're always talking about that would turn up uh, on HBO in the early nineties. It's an Andy Sedaris film. Oh, I love Andy Sedaris. Yeah, and this one uh, has a distinction because it has the casting of Pat Morita and Eric Estrada. So. You know, I, and Eric Estrada appeared in a couple of uh, Sedaris' movies. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, I mean, I say I love Andy Sedaris. I, I mean, I don't. But but uh, he, he does give me the warm kind of 80s Cinemax oh, vibes. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting. I talked to an actress that quit the business because she was constantly sexually harassed everywhere she went. And she just said, I don't have to put up with this anymore. Huh. I'll, find an, I'll find another line of work. You know, the one set that she didn't get sexually harassed on was an Andy Sedaris film. He said she he he was lovely. That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Speaking of that, they've released another one, Mill Creek has, of his films from 1990. This one is uh, Guns, and this one oh, does star yes. Eric Estrada. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen Guns. 
Yeah. And it's a d- double meaning there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. So Clooney Brown from 1946. It's uh, Ernest Lubitsch directed that, of course, starring Jennifer Jones, Charles Boyer, Peter Lawford. And uh, you know, there's a lot of nice new extras on that. Um, Criterion, Clooney Brown, and um, also wanted to mention support your local sheriff and support your local gunfighter. Both of those have been issued James Garner and both of those. Uh, those have been previously issued as a double feature from Twilight Time, and now Tina Lorber has reissued them because they're out of print, I think. But uh, anyway, Straight On Till Morning is a 1972 uh, horror, psychological horror film. This one stars uh, Annie Ross and Rita Tushingham about a timid, withdrawn woman who meets a man she believes is finally the love of her life, unaware he's a vicious serial killer. It's an early 70s film. Oh, like Dear John. Yeah, something like that. Straight on till morning. I wasn't really familiar with it until I saw it being released. My Favorite Year is a Warner Archive release. And this uh, is... I think a, a really good movie, 1982, starring uh, Peter O'Toole in one of his late career signature roles. I think it kind of pulled him out of uh, a career funk at the time. Yeah, he's had a couple of those. He had a couple of those throughout his career. Yeah. This is the one where uh, he's, he plays the star of a 50s television show, and the junior writer is is assigned to keep him out of trouble. Yeah, what, is, what happened to that guy, the Mark Mark Lynn guy. Baker, yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, the, you know, after he got upstaged by Balky on that one show, he, like, uh, was, because wasn't he on Perfect Strangers with Brunson Pinchot? Man, he disappeared. Sure did, yeah. I expected bigger things from him, but I guess it's just, you know, that just happened sometimes. He always reminded uh, the uh, the guy that kind of took over TV and actually did Quiz Show, which was a great movie. Uh, Rob Morrow always kind of reminded me of another version of Mark Clint. Oh yeah, that's like, true. Yeah. yeah, he's another guy that just kind of disappeared. That you expected things from. That's true. Good point. Yeah. Well, uh, this does have an audio commentary carried over from the 2004 DVD. With Richard, uh, oh, I'm sorry, that's uh, Richard Benjamin. Sorry, going to get it out. He directed that, huh? Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So probably one of his best films as a director, I would say. He did a few, and one of the better ones. So, guy who comes up on our show it's better than better than Little Nikita. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, <laughs> absolutely. Well, here's one that uh, this is the director that comes up on our. Show quite a bit. Sidney Lumet, his 2006 film, Find Me Guilty, starring Ben Diesel as a lawyer. <laughs> Who would have yeah. thought? Yeah, this, uh, this special edition from MVD Entertainment has a conversation with Sidney Lumet featurette and the original trailer and three TV spots. But uh, it is uh, remastered for Blu ray, so Find Me Guilty is now available from MVD. Wow. Another yeah. Ben Diesel was directed by Sidney Lumet. That's hard to believe when yeah. you think about it. <laughs> it really is. So, uh, 
Yeah, the Warner Archive has also issued The Setup, which was one of Robert Wise's first films. It's about a boxer, oh. you know, who's supposed to take the fall but doesn't. And leaving. And Setup is what he did to uh, Orson Welles, certainly. <laughs> Anderson's. Uh, yeah, how ironic. This following <laughs> six, seven years after the, or uh, six years after, seven years after that happened. Yeah, that's true. Well, anyway, this is interesting because it has a commentary by Robert Wise and Martin Scorsese together. Mm, mm. So, uh, yeah, so you get a commentary with those two great filmmakers. Anyway, the country music uh, documentary, Ken Burns documentary series, uh, has been issued from PBS for anybody who didn't catch it on PBS. Just wanted to mention that for whatever it's worth. And... um, also, Pasolini, the 2014 biopic about uh, Pierre Paolo Pasolini, the director of Salo, who may or may not have been murdered because someone was upset about that film. Uh, there's always been that uh, rumor. I thought it was open and shut. Yeah, there's maybe still, it was. There's still a question about it? I, I, maybe. I had no idea that was so old. 2014. I just thought it was made a couple of years ago. Yeah, I thought uh, there was a there was an online version of it when it uh, streaming not long after it came out. So I saw it about I saw it when it originally came out way back in 2014. That's the uh, Abel Ferraro Willem Dafoe. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for some oh. reason it got delayed. Not really sure why. But anyway. For whatever it's worth. Uh, a couple of Twilight Time releases here. Whirlpool, 1949. That's a Otto Preminger and Rex Gene Tierney. They're reunited after teaming up on Lara several years before that. And this has an isolated music track and an audio commentary with Richard Chickle, the former Time, Mag- Time Magazine critic. The original trailer. And it's a you know, one of these film noir, crime thrillers type things. But uh, anyway, wanted to mention that. And the Western, The Tall Men, is another Twilight Time release. This one stars Clark Gable, Jane Russell, and Robert Ryan again. I mentioned him in the setup. And this 1955 Western that also co-stars Cameron Mitchell and is directed by Ryo Walsh. This has isolated music track and original theatrical trailer. Those are your extras you get on that. And oh, let's see, just a few other things. This release date, Last Dance, Sharon Stone. Hey, there's another one of those Hollywood picture slash touchstone films, right? This one's yeah. from 1996. Was it I, I, I think it's Rob Morrow. I believe you are correct. Isn't that funny? It sure is. And Randy <laughs> Clay and Peter Gallagher, yeah. And Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> sure, that is so funny. Wow. Yep. Well, anyway... And the 2006 film, The Illusionist, has been issued, starring Ed Norton on Blu-ray, also by MVD, that, uh, the company that released Find Me Guilty. They've also done that. Clive Owen and Julia Roberts' film, Duplicity, has been issued on Blu-ray, 2009. Mm. It's a that, great score. Yeah, yeah. Totally agree. I uh, can't remember who did it, though. Who did you that score? <laughs> oh gosh, I can't either. Uh, I remember I liked it, but uh, yeah. Oh well, it'll come to me, I'm sure. 
But, uh, yeah, so the 1973 film, based on the Harold Pinter play The Homecoming, has been issued by Kino. That's uh, stars Ian Holm and Cyril Cusick. And this is directed by Peter Hall, and, of course, written by, adapted by Harold Pinter. And the chance of Pinter. Jimmy... Pinter, yes. <laughs> You're correct. That's okay. That's okay. The first film from director Fred Schapese, The Chance mm. of Jimmy Blacksmith. A 1978 Australian film. Uh, Man, Fred Chapezi. Uh, it's not easy because uh, I uh, he agreed to come on the show twice over the years, and and both times I was like, okay, when, and nothing. Wow, <laughs> her back nothing. It's like. I, do you want to do it telepathically, or yeah, right? They'll see. Yeah. Sure, I'll come on. And then I can't get them to come uh, to, to yeah to firm up on a date or at all. But. Wow. Hmm. Wonder what that's all about. That is odd. Well, yeah, this is uh, this was his first film. I've never seen it. I've always wanted to. They say it's great. Yeah. Uh, the Chance of Jimmy Blacksmith. This has two different cuts of the film, by the way. This Blu-ray from Kino. So. Uh, Whatever it's worth, and another Kino release is Philadelphia, Here I Come, 1975. And that's another one that I wasn't really all that familiar with, I must admit. Anyway, uh, so the Kino's been busy, it looks like. They've been uh, really, really pumping them out, for sure. Yeah. And uh, let's see, moving along to September 24th. We have Stephen King's The Stand. The television adaptation of The Stand has been issued in Blu-ray. They've gone back to the film element, supposedly, and mastered this. But since they're about to they're making the miniseries, the new miniseries now. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Doesn't look like the casting is much better. Yeah, I forget who's casting it. Yeah. Um, I forget who's playing the Sinise role or the villain role. But the TV movie was Sinise and Jamie Sheridan. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Which yeah. like, I like Jamie Sheridan fine. He's a nice guy. But I don't know if I think Jamie Sheridan when I think Randall Flagg. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a little weird. Hey, speaking of recasting, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, <clears throat> To Kill a Mockingbird's Broadway production, November is when all the cast leaves, including Jeff Daniels. Did you mm-hmm. see who they've got replaced in the cast? I did not. So Ed Harris is playing the Jeff Daniels part now, Atticus Finch. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Emmett Walsh plays the judge. <laughs> wow, that's great. That's pretty awesome. I could yeah, do that. I would love to. The John Carpenter's Vampires has been issued on Blu-ray. It's previously been issued as a Twilight Time title, which quickly sold out, and now it's been put out as a collector's edition from Scream Factory. And they're gradually getting around to releasing all of John Carpenter's films. I think they've just about put the entire catalog out on their label. Have they released Elvis? Yes, they have. Yeah, that came out uh, two years ago, I think. Blu-ray. Yeah, that's one of the Shout Select titles for anybody who's looking for it. Yeah, it's it's out there. I think it has a commentary also, I believe. Sure is. Even that uh, TV movie, Someone is Watching Me, that's out there too. They've even released that. They wow. really 
They've really gone deep with the uh, John Carpenter catalog. But, uh, yeah, this has new interviews with uh, John Carpenter and his wife, Sandy King Carpenter, and and also James Woods. New interviews with him and Thomas His Ian wife? Woods. Why? Did his wife work on it? Yeah, she's producer. Oh. So, uh, yeah, that might have been how they met, actually. I'm thinking it is. But, anyway, the cinematographer, Gary Kibbe, and Greg, Greg Nicotero, the makeup artist. So, anyway, and the original audio commentary by John Carpenter carried over. So there you go. And uh, Fear No Evil, the 1981 horror film, which is mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's that's a film that I'd always wanted to see and finally got my chance. And I can't say that it was worth the wait. <laughs> how about how about Nine Seven Six Evil? Yeah, I would. They're probably on about on uh, the same level. I would say <laughs> this is a very strange film. Fear No Evil. It's just. It starts out as, uh, you know, the, the premise of the film is that Lucifer has returned as uh, a high school senior, and he wants to wreak havoc on his class. And there's a part of the movie where you think it's going to turn into, you know, a, a high school revenge movie, which that part of it looks kind of interesting, and then it just morphs into something else, and it just, oh, it's about three or four different type kinds of movies and, and two, three or four different genres all in one film that, they never really meshed together successfully, I don't think. But anyway, I know it does have its defenders who like it. So anyway, the uh, the circus, the nineteen twenty eight film starring Charlie Chaplin, written and directed by Charlie Chaplin, and featuring the score composed by Charlie Chaplin, has been issued as a Criterion release. A lot of new extras and new remastering. And uh, there's a 20th anniversary edition of Sleepy Hollow, Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow, that's been issued as a digi-book. And we have the 1990 film Pledge Night, has been issued by Vinegar Syndrome, one of their releases, as well as the Mountaintop Motel Massacre, 1986. Um, And Maleficent has been issued in 4K, and, uh, Disney has that's another one of those Disney titles like we were just talking about. Beyond Evil is another Vinegar Syndrome release. This one from 1980. Pumping out the obscure horror films there. And then we have the 1940 film starring Betty Davis, The Letter, which has been issued by Warner Archive. They've opted to put this out for the first time on Blu-ray. And they have also reissued Action Jackson, which has been out of print. So, now available again. Anyway, uh, Major League Two has been issued by Sony on Blu-ray. It's on their video on demand, their uh, disc on demand service. When you order it, they press them there. Anyway, uh, Arrow Video has issued The Hills Have Eyes Part Two and Hellraiser and Hellbound Hellraiser 2. That's three of their releases for the month of September. Hills of Ice 2, is that Wes Craven? Yes, it is. Huh. Yeah. I, and I, haven't, so, I haven't seen that one. It's pretty, Well, it's always kind of been talked about in circles because it's there's actually a scene in the movie where a dog has a flashback, and they show the dog's flashback in the movie, which is always... Uh, that's... Uh, 
<laughs> that's the kind of movie this is. Oh. It's it's not really uh, uh it's not anything you can really recommend. I think they ran out of funds on it and they didn't quite get to finish it the way they had intended to. There's a story there. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but uh, I know it wasn't something that, uh, that was completed the way they had thought yeah. that it I'm sure if they had more money, that whole dog having a flashback thing would make more sense. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully they would have skipped that all together. Uh, I think they were just padding time, as it turned out. But anyway, Kino Lorber has also issued, here we go again with Kino, uh, Ida Lupino Filmmaker Collection, which is... Oh, I love Ida Lupino. Yeah. I I love The Hitchhiker. There's a shot... um, near the beginning of The Hitchhiker that I think is so great. I can't... Mm-hmm. It's, when, it's when the hitchhiker first appears in the back seat, and it's like this this tracking in shot mm-hmm. or, or tracking out. I can't remember which one, but I looked at that shot and I was like, "Oh my god, that's just so expressive!" And the lighting and the movement and everything—it's just a great. Uh, but that's a very good movie, I, and and um, like a pioneer female director who was doing really great grungy kind of stuff back then. That's true. Yeah, she was way ahead of the curve. That's true. And uh, also dating Howard Hughes at the same time, I think. So, wow, she had her plate for Oh, so she was doing a lot of grungy stuff. (laughs) 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 Indeed. Yeah, well, this collection includes Not Wanted, Never Fear, The Hitchhiker, and The Bigamist. So you get four films for the... Yeah, that's a good collection. Yeah. I think so, too. Uh, Shout Factory has released a 75th anniversary edition of Going My Way, the, the film, the Oscar-winning film starring Bing Cosby and Barry Fitzgerald and Gene Lockhart, directed by Leo McCary, of course, and co-written by Leo McCary. We have The Major and the Minor is another Arrow video release which is worth mentioning because this was the American film debut of Billy Wilder as a director. And it's actually a pretty good movie, I think, for a first-time director. It's obvious he knows what he's he's doing. And this stars Ray Moland as a... uh, Ray Moland stars in this one, and uh, it also has Ginger Rogers as a woman disguising herself as a child to save on train fare and being taken in by Ray Moland, who doesn't Mm. notice the truth in this you know, it was, it's a little creepy when you think about the plot line of it, uh, but it's funny how they handle it because it was, you know, during the, uh, the time when we had the Hayes Code or whatever, and they were cracking down. So he repeatedly mentions that she's a child, and they they always make mention of that so that people will uh, people will know. Uh, yeah, he knows. She, he thinks she's a child. He doesn't actually think she's. A child. The Great Waldo Pepper has been issued by Shop Factory, the 1975 film starring Robert Redford, first time ever on Blu-ray, and written by, of course, the late William Goldman. Peter Collinson directed the 1971 film Fright, which is another Shop Factory release, and this one stars Honor Blackman, who is best known as Pussy Galore in Goldfinger. Oh. Um, Not familiar with this one, but uh, nevertheless, wanted to mention that Fright has been issued. And the nineteen eighty one film Quartet has been issued, directed by James Ivory and starring Isabella Johnny, Alan Bates, Maggie Smith. Oh wow. 
1981. That's a Cohen Media release. And Major League Back to the Minors has uh, also been issued by Sony. We just mentioned Major League 2. Well, they, they went on and pulled out all the stops and did the other one. So. But yeah, Holocaust has been issued by Paramount. They put this out uh, on Blu-ray. Skate Town USA. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Scott Bayo, Ron Palillo, Horshack, of course, from Welcome Back, Cotter, Maureen McCormick, Ruth Buzzy, Patrick Swayze, Billy Barty. What more do you need? Wow. This has been issued by Sony Pictures also. And this is another one of their on-demand discs. But, wow, with that cast, I mean, really, it is. Uh, and it's also written by Nick Castle, who played the shape in the original Halloween. Wow. So, boy, that's some talent on that movie, right? Mm. <laughs> huh. What a combination. And well, now anyway. is Billy Bar- Bartley on skates in it? Billy Barty, oh, I hope so. I-, I could imagine, but, yeah, that would be great. That would be fantastic <laughs> we'd get to see that. Funny to see that that my dinner with Hervé was that fist fight between Hervé and uh, Billy Barty. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that was that was one of the better scenes in the movie. Totally agree. Yeah, so uh, anyway, well, a couple more things here. We're getting down to the, the final few. We have The Biggest from 1953, which is another Kino Lorber release. This one's Joan Fontaine and Ida Lupino. Well, we just mentioned that. It's part of the box set, but they released it separately as well. Are they releasing all of them separately? Or just yes, they are. They are. I just now noticed okay. that. So, yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're getting some separate releases on these. And, uh, yeah, so thankfully for those who maybe have some of the other ones, I don't know, uh, you don't want to get the whole box set, you can get them. You can get them separately. And let's see what. Else. We have here Bucket of Blood, the 1959 film that kind of made a star out of Dick Miller. I guess it was his signature role. This has been issued by Olive Films, and previously it was released on DVD by Olive Films, but now they've issued it on Blu-ray as one of their Olive signature titles. It's done a really terrific job here with the transfer and all the extras. They've mastered it from a new 4K scan. Uh, there's a Roger Corman interview here about it. Um, there's Dick and Lainey Miller, his wife, a feature with them talking about it. Uh, audio commentary by the director of the That Guy, Dick Miller documentary. There's archival audio interviews with the screenwriter, Charles B. Griffith, and just uh, the rare prologue from the German release and all kinds of goodies here for anybody who loves A Bucket of Blood, which I do. I'm a big fan of that movie. So, uh, there you go. Uh, one of their olive signature releases, Bucket of Blood. And um, Gremlins has been issued in 4K by Warner Brothers. I'm surprised they didn't wait till Christmas to release this because a lot of people consider this a Christmas film, but even though it was released in summertime. But uh, it does have some interesting stuff. I think most of it was carryovers from the, 30, from the 30th anniversary, or sorry, uh, 25th anniversary edition DVD. That is odd that there are Christmas movies that are released in summertime. Yeah, and that's happened more than once. Is it Lethal Weapon? Wasn't yes, that it was. In, yeah. Yes. Yes, I think that was released in March, actually, Lethal Weapon. Like, springtime. Was Die Hard 
People consider Die Hard yep. a Christmas movie. Does it have yep. Christmas stuff in it? It does, yes. And it was really oh, that's, the, that's their party. It's a Christmas party. That's right. Not exactly. to tell me. Okay. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. So Gremlins looks really good in 4K. I have to say that. And it does have all the carryovers from the 25th anniversary edition, which has over 10 minutes of deleted scenes and, you know, lots of the commentaries and all that stuff. So I got to admit, I, ha- I have not seen Gremlins since I was a little kid. That holds up. Still funny. Although I think Gremlins 2 is, is better. Uh, it's one of the rare sequels that's actually better, I think, mm. in my opinion. But anyway, uh, yeah, and there's a collection of, while we're talking about television, this is worth mentioning, 50 Years and Counting, a collection of Sesame Street um, from Shout Factory. And because they're celebrating the 50th anniversary, this has a, just a ton of uh, clips and over five hours worth of clips from the 50 years of Sesame Street. Uh, which one you know my, fa- you know my favorite episode of that. Ah, <laughs> uh, the one where Big Bird uh, had a heart attack. And, <laughs> <laughs> and they transported his body. Yeah. 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 Well, well, they did have the episode where Mr. Hooper died. That is, he really did. The actor that played the character of Mr. Hooper died, and they did a whole episode centered around his death to explain mm. to kids, you know, about that death is a part of life and whatever. But anyway, this is worth mentioning because there are a lot of movie-related people in, in this. Uh, there's Madeline Kahn, for one, Jeff Goldblum, Ricky Gervais, Amy Poehler. Uh, you know, so there's some celebrities in there, so it makes it kind of ties into movies, I guess you'd say. But uh, 50 Years and Counting is a collection of uh, the best stuff from Sesame Street from the last 50 years to this set. And there's a documentary out uh, on Clarence Clemens called Who Do I Think I Am, which has been issued by NBD Visual. So uh, Clarence Clemens, of course, saxophonist for Bruce Springsteen E Street Band. And I think that might be all we have for the month of September of 2019. We met. We spoke. Our love became infinity Our timeless fantasy One boy, one girl Deeply and honestly Our real-life fantasy The first good thing to happen to Francine. 